A financial plan requires planning. It's savings, RRSPs, investments, and planning for the unexpected. TD Term Life Insurance can help protect your family's financial future if you were to unexpectedly pass away. You can apply for TD Term Life Insurance online or over the phone by speaking to a licensed advisor. If you're under the age of 55, you could be approved for up to $500,000 of coverage without a medical exam. Conditions apply. TD Term Life Insurance is underwritten by TD Life Insurance Company. Visit tdinsurance.com slash termlife to learn more. The Trudeau government has followed through on more of its gun control plans with legislation that will allow cities to effectively ban handguns. The bill also introduces a voluntary buyback program for an array of firearms that were banned last May. But do these measures actually achieve the stated goal of making Canadians safer? I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. National Post columnist Matt Gurney joins me to discuss issues with delegating bans to cities, why the legislation is targeting the wrong people, and why liberal actions don't match their overheated rhetoric. Don't forget you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite shows. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Matt, for those who can't remember, what did the liberal government announce regarding guns last May? Yeah, I mean, this was all in the the context of and the aftermath of obviously that uh, horrific attack in Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. And the broader context obviously was also that there had been a growing emphasis on gun crime because of some incidents we'd seen here at home, but also around the world. There'd been the Danforth attack in Toronto. There'd been mosque shootings in Quebec and in New Zealand. There'd been the usual series of tragedies in the United States. And there was kind of a growing expectation that the liberals would do something. So what they announced last May was that they were immediately banning what they called 1500 assault rifles. And I mean, this already starts to melt my brain because I mean, basically everything they're saying is untrue, but that's what they said they were doing. They said they were going to immediately ban these 1500 kinds of assault rifles. And then they also had said that they would work with the municipalities to increase uh, controls on handguns. So the so-called ban had immediate effect on sales. Canadian gun stores had these firearms in inventory. They could no longer sell them. Canadians who already owned them were suddenly unable to use them for legal activities that right up until that moment had been permitted, going to a gun range, going hunting, things like that. Mm -hmm. They also lost the ability to sell them to each other. A, a licensed Canadian can sell a gun back to a gun store or can sell to, they could sell to another licensed individual. So all of that was frozen in May kind of pending the details that were going to get fleshed out later. And again, like I strongly disagree with what the government claimed they were doing in May, but that at least gets the listeners caught up with what they said they were doing. Fast forward to this week and we get the legislation related to that announcement last May. Is it as advertised? Like, are we seeing swaths of guns being taken out of the hands of Canadians or legal gun owners being penalized for wanting to own a particular kind of gun? The short answer is no, it's not as advertised. The somewhat longer answer, which I shall now inflict on you, is that it's complicated. <laughs> First of all, we are not getting actual details about the buyback legislation for some undefined period to come. The Prime Minister and the Public Safety Minister, Bill Blair, had said in, in the coming months. 
I don't know how much longer this government has with, with all this speculation about a possible spring or fall election. We might run out the clock on this thing and never see the legislation. But in any case, they say that's still coming. What they've said they're doing in the meantime is that they are going to allow municipal governments to enact bylaws, basically, regarding the storage and the transportation of handguns, and that the federal government will empower those municipal bylaws with the power of criminal law. I don't know if that's going to work. Like, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, trademark, but I don't think it's going to work. I don't think the federal government can just say to a municipal government, here you go, you can make criminal law now. <laughs> Even if it does work, the provincial governments are going to have to authorize this. Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Quebec have already said no. Ontario hasn't made a statement yet, but it's my expectation, based on some conversations I've had, that they're not likely to go ahead with this either. So you've immediately taken a whole bunch of provinces off the table here including uh, the homes of, of some of the biggest cities. So there's a real doubt about whether or not this is going to work, even if it's constitutional. I wrote a column about this this week, and I basically, I had noted that there's kind of three tiers of failure here. First of all, the liberals are proposing might not be constitutional. I don't know. Maybe they've got smart lawyers that can find a way to push this through. I guess we'll find out. But even if you pass that first obstacle, you then run into the next obstacle, that the provinces view this as an imposition on their jurisdiction, and they're not inclined to play ball with this. Mm -hmm. And even if you get through the lawyers, even if you get a provincial premier on side, as I've written before, the third tier of failure is that the idea is stupid. <laughs> I live in Toronto, right? And let's say the Toronto bans handguns, but let's say any of the surrounding municipalities don't. What, are we going to have like a border patrol along Steeles Avenue? Like, it, it doesn't make sense. Having completely different legal regimes in one postal code as opposed to the one next door doesn't make sense. And you had actually asked a key question here. Are any Canadians actually losing their guns? The answer is no. The government keeps saying this is about public safety. Oh, these are dangerous weapons. These are killing machines. But their actual actions fall well short of their rhetoric here. They're saying that, oh, we have all these, we have these 1,500 kinds of assault rifle and we're letting you keep them. And they also say, oh, these Canadians have handguns that are killing machines, but we're not doing anything about it. We're going to let the municipalities maybe do something if it can pass constitutional muster here. This is all sizzle, but when you get through it, there is not much stake at the end of this. A couple of things I want to touch on here. The first is cities banning handguns. Why would the feds leave it up to cities to ban these things individually if they feel that legal handgun ownership is a problem. You've actually cut right to the core of the issue. And the easy answer, it, it seems alarmingly simple, but it actually is very clarifying. The liberals don't think handgun ownership is a problem by Canadians. They just don't. They talk about it a lot. They're going to fundraise off it eventually. They're going to talk about how they've cracked down on this. But you have to compare action to words here. And the liberal you know, gums are moving a lot, and they're talking about how big of a deal it is. But they're actually doing absolutely nothing. They have studied a national handgun ban for years. They've been studying it since their first mandate. Public mm -hmm. Safety Minister Bill Blair has been asked about this and has said they don't think it's the right idea. Delegating the authority to the municipalities is a way for the liberals to punt. And you have to understand, as I wrote in my column, this is in the federal jurisdiction. They can do this. 
this is within their power. They can do it kind of the nice way, which is to say, we're going to have like a, a long amnesty period. We're going to grandfather existing owners. We're going to have a generous buyback. They can play hardball. They can basically say, we're using the handgun registry. We're sending a notice to every Canadian in the country that they have 30 days to surrender their gun to the local police or their criminals. It doesn't matter. They can do either of those extremes. They can do anything in the middle. But this is in their power. They've looked at it. They've decided it's not an issue. They are delegating it through some weird, half-baked, probably unconstitutional and needlessly complex formula to other levels of government to take on the controversy. Their actions have to speak louder than their words here. They've studied this issue for years, and they've decided to do basically nothing. So you asked if they think handguns are a problem, why aren't they acting on them? What you got to do, Dave, is you got to look at the facts on the ground. The evidence points overwhelmingly to as much as they might like to pretend otherwise, they don't think handgun ownership is a problem. Now on the issue of the idea of these military style assault rifles, I know the one that everyone holds up as a problem, as a killing machine is the AR-15 you were saying earlier that the rules as they were announced in May basically said you can't use them to hunt anymore. All of that was enacted right away, but will the law take any of those killing machines out of anyone's hands or does it make it harder to obtain these guns or is it just a case of no one can buy them anymore, but the people who own them, oh, they can still have them and they can still use them or keep them. On the understanding, as I said earlier, that we're still waiting for the actual legislation, all we can base this answer off is kind of what they said in their original cabinet order and council, plus the public comments that have been made by the prime minister and Bill Blair. Our understanding is that they will not import any more Canadian guns uh, stores or, or individual owners will not be allowed to import any of these weapons into the country. They will not be allowed to purchase new ones. There will not be sales among existing individuals who own them, but that's it. There will be increased restrictions around transportation and usage, probably no longer taking them to the firing range, stuff like that. But if you've got one, you can keep it. And as I said in my column, this really puts the lie to the public safety argument here, right? The public safety argument against AR-15s is not that someone might transport it improperly. Mm -hmm. It's not that they might be a jerk at the shooting range. The public safety argument against AR-15s is that someone's going to go out to a public place, a movie theater, a park, a school, and they're going to kill a bunch of people. I don't mean to be that crass about that, but we have to boil this down to first principles here. The public safety argument against the ownership of certain classes of weapons is that they will be used by a deranged individual to kill someone. The proposed plan leaves hundreds of thousands of these rifles in the hands of their existing owners here. So again, I, I, we got to kind of loop back to the, the handgun argument here. Whatever the liberals are saying they're doing here, when you compare it to what they're actually doing, you find out that the prime minister has said, these guns are just designed to kill as many as people as quickly as possible. And that's why we're letting you keep them. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make sense. So either they have decided to completely phone in their efforts on this, or they really don't believe it's a problem. If you were to listen to the conservatives on this and other conservative writers in the country, you'd think that the prime minister was coming for people's guns, that this is an affront to legal gun ownership in this country, that gun owners shouldn't stand for it. Is it as bad as they say? And if not, why are they using that rhetoric to criticize this piece of legislation? 
I guess there's two ways of answering that. I mean, the, the first way of answering that is kind of why is there rhetoric? Because we live in a stupid time. And I, I wish there was a better answer for it, but like nobody in our society these days actually values any degree of nuance or subtlety. So everything is either the best idea ever or worse than Hitler. Like there's just no moderate spectrum left. So the liberals are coming out with just completely over the top rhetoric relative to what they're actually doing. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the opposition to what they're actually doing is equally often over the top. The sense among Canadian gun Owners, and I own a few guns myself, so I certainly share this sense, is that we are being picked on here, and it's getting almost kind of pathetic. Like, if the liberals actually had concluded, they'd, they'd consulted a bunch of experts, they'd done a bunch of studies, and they'd actually concluded that the lawful gun-owning public in this country is the problem... And then they did something about it. Maybe you disagree with that, right? Maybe you think it's a, it's a bad idea. Maybe you have philosophical objections. You think it's a waste of money. But the liberals' actions would at least reflect the rhetoric here. When you're in a situation where you're hearing somebody campaign against you, let's be honest, that's what this is. This is political posturing by the prime minister and some of his cabinet. And meanwhile, they're not actually doing anything about it. This is an emperor has no clothes moments. Most Canadians don't understand the gun control system. It's complicated. It's highly technical. It involves terminology that if you are not in involved in this, you don't have any need to understand this. Like many Canadians drive cars. Not many of them know how the engines work. This is kind of the same thing. Like mm -hmm. all of us live in a country with a gun control system, but unless you are actually involved in it, you don't understand it any more than you do the inner workings of your car. So when you actually do understand it, when you're one of the several million, but still a, a minority of the population of gun owners, and you've been through the system, you've worked with the registry, you've jumped through the hoops, you've gone through the safety checks, you've done the safety courses, you've familiarized yourself either academically through the studying of it, or you've actually just lived it. You know the way the system works. You listen to what's being said. You know it's bogus and you feel picked on. And there is a real vibe here, and I, I'm not immune to this, I do not exempt myself from this, that we're punching bags. And the liberals see an opportunity here to pander to their urban base, who don't know much about this, and they hear, we've banned 1,500 assault rifles, and urbanites who have never been near a gun store, have never belonged to a gun range, go, ooh, that's awesome, that's great, that sounds like a really good idea. And then never look deeper and never understand the issue. It pisses people off. And I think that contributes to some of the, the maximalist rhetoric here. The other issue, of course, is the old-fashioned favorite. I, I'm embarrassed to even bring it up, but it's the slippery slope. The Liberals spent a considerable time in their first mandate coming up with Bill C-71. It was their first kick at gun control legislation. Mm -hmm. Credit where it's due. They did their due diligence on this. They spent years uh, talking to experts, doing interviews, talking to uh, stakeholders. They put together a package of reforms to the Harper-era gun control law that basically was marginal tweaks. And I think like this is what gives the game away, Dave. They spent years looking at the status quo they inherited. They did all the hard work in committees. And what they came up with were marginal tweaks to some regulations. Some of those tweaks were good. Some of them were bad. Some of them were neither. But it showed you what their brain, the liberal intellect, had concluded about our gun control system. And they'd concluded generally that it worked for political reasons after some of these high-profile killings. And if I may, 
Also, after some other unrelated events had, to be blunt about this, taken some of the progressive shine off the Prime Minister and his party, all of a sudden they're champions of gun control, proposing with sweeping, soaring rhetoric measures that don't really change a ton on the ground. So the concern among many in the gun-owning community, and I'm one of them, is that like the next time the Prime Minister has some scandal and he needs to go out and reassure his own base that, no, 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 don't worry, I'm the progressive I always told you I am, he's going to take another kick at the can and that's going to be us. Ultimately, I get the sense that while frustrated that the Prime Minister talks a big game but does things that don't follow through on that talk, ultimately you you feel it's good that the government doesn't follow through with tougher measures. Is it just because the laws are good as they are? Is it because it targets the wrong people? Like, Why do you see it making sense that the government doesn't do any of these uh, kind of harsher measures? That's a great question. And there's two different parts of my answer here. So let me take him in sequence here. First of all, let's actually answer on the substance of the matter. The Canadian gun control system actually works very well. It does a good job doing what it is intended to do. The Canadian gun control system is intended to license owners to regulate and register the import and sale of certain classes of weapons and to promote gun safety in the country. And it does a really great job at that. It gets blamed for things like organized crime killings, gang shootings, the drug trade. That's a category error. The gun control system is a regulatory system. It's like being angry that the car registration system is not eliminating drunk driving. If you insist on viewing these downtown shootings among people who are never part of the system and are using weapons that are mostly smuggled in from the United States, if you view that as a gun control failure, you are ignoring the real problem and people are going to die because of that. So I think there needs to be a recognition that the system of gun control in Canada is designed to do certain things. It does those things very well. We can make some marginal improvements to it. I have a very open mind to that. I've even proposed some of those improvements myself, but it does overall a good job at it. Blaming it for failures that fall outside of its mandate is bad policy, Mm -hmm. and it is going to result in people getting killed because we keep wondering why our TV remote control won't start our car. It's not what it's for. And as long as we keep ignoring what the real problems are, we're never going to make any progress on this. There is, though, also what we could call kind of the meta issue. I don't want to live in a stupid country. I don't want to live in a country where policy is a nudge and a wink. We have a Liberal Party of Canada that is the self-styled champion of evidence-based policy, and they gave us evidence-based legislation in C-71, and then for political reasons, continued to uh, bang the drum on this for no actual substantive policy reason at all. I don't think we should encourage this kind of behavior. We have real public policy challenges in this country that include gun control, but go beyond that. In the aftermath of this pandemic, we're going to have a hell of a lot of work to do, assessing what worked and what didn't, and how to fix this. And when I see government by make-believe, which is what we're getting on gun control from the liberals here, it just fills me with gloom. Because if the self-styled party of, again, like I said, evidence-based policy just reverts to this nonsense, I could use stronger language, but it's a family-friendly podcast, <laughs> then we're in serious trouble. The only people 
the parties really ever fear. I'm not even going to say the voters. I'm not even that uh, idealistic anymore. They only fear their own partisans here. And when the prime minister of evidence-based policy comes out and promotes absolutely nonsense ideas using sweeping, soaring rhetoric and millions of Canadians eat it up, that's a problem. Look, this, every party has blind spots. Every party has issues like this. If you were to ask me the exact same question for the NDP or the Conservatives, I'd give you a very similar answer using a different example. This is one of those issues for the Liberals where they indulge in fantasy thinking and cynical political manipulation on an important public policy matter. It's not keeping anyone safe. It's not helping anybody. It is causing further division in the country. And it actually is contributing to our growing collective stupidity. That's the big picture reason why I think this is a bad idea. All right. Well, thanks for walking us through what is definitely a complex issue for most Canadians. I appreciate your expertise on this, Matt. Thanks for your time. Anytime. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Matt Gurney. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.